Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 20 of season two of This Osteopathic Life. Today, we'll be talking about knowing and what it means to know, to be in a place of knowing. And it's interesting because as I looked back over previous episodes, I thought I had one by this title, but I did not come across one. And I'm thinking that I talked about this concept in various iterations, but I'm bringing it to you today in a new way, which reflects how the osteopathic concept unfolds. As I've said before, in treatments, there are past experiences of treating techniques that are learned, encounters with other patients, encounters with that specific patient at a prior time that come with you into a particular encounter and can influence how you engage, how you treat in that moment, and how you engage with the health. And there can be so many benefits to the knowing, to the knowledge that you have to support you in that, to give you a frame of reference from which to begin, from which to determine the next best step and where you might go. But I'd like to shift how we're talking about knowing through the engagement in this episode today. As always, when we think about words and talk about words, looking at definitions is always a fascinating place to begin. And we're looking right now at knowing. Having or reflecting knowledge, information, or intelligence. And we have various measures of what intelligence might be. And we think about some common colloquialisms like book smarts and street smarts and what is a marker of intelligence. And we come up against this sometimes in contentious ways when there are certain socially acceptable forms of intelligence. And when you don't meet those, having that create a lesser than experience, even though that might be just one type of intelligence and you might be off the charts in another. But if that's not the standard of the situation you're in, you are stuck. It is very difficult to find success. We think about right now, the concept of emotional intelligence comes up a lot, where people might have some very clear cognitive awareness, fact-based learning, evidence-based medicine, as we're looking here. But if there's a lack of emotional intelligence, the ability to apply all of those facts, all that fixed knowledge becomes difficult, especially if it's an interpersonal-based relationship, the lack of emotional intelligence for care of self, for care of others, for engagement with others can be next to impossible in all of 
the book learning and the fact memorizing and the concept awareness can be next to useless if we don't have the ability to communicate it effectively, to apply it to ourselves, to expand it into various situations. There's a cartoon where, you know, if climbing the tree is the only metric, all these animals with all their inherent gifts, capacities, and skills, you know, only the monkey or the jaguar will pass where the elephant and the frog and the fish won't. And is that fair? Is it saying they are any less worthy? Or is it applying the wrong assessment, you know, the wrong quiz, the wrong test, the wrong marker to what intelligence or skill or worth or merit might be? This idea of knowing, having a reflecting knowledge and information is where we're going to kind of take our jumping off point, launch into some different concepts around this. And the reflecting is a really interesting word here. Because when we think about reflect, we often think to look back, right? To reflect on what has happened, to reflect on the past, to reflect on our thoughts, to reflect on our experiences. And that's looking all at prior, right? What has already happened? What has come before? What have I already done? And that can be really useful, right? That is a building block of knowing, to have gathered this past information, hopefully to allow for having gathered life experience, to have merit and value, and for that to create a frame of reference as a building block. But here's where the challenge lies, particularly in this current time. When we are faced with new problems, when we are faced with unprecedented times, a phrase that has been belabored, overused, is exhausted at this time. If we are only using past experience to try and solve those problems, we are only going to get as far as we have gone in the past. And while I know there are many no, right? Notice that. There are many new concepts that emerge. And there's quotes from Mark Twain that there are no new ideas, right? Just a bunch of old ideas put together in a kaleidoscope in a new way or combined in a new way. So the opportunity for new can still exist using those formerly known constructs. And notice that I'm saying new, N-E-W, known K-N-O-W-N constructs that's possible right combining things in a new way if you had five ingredients but keep mixing them up in new ways you have different meals each time but essentially their core they're still the same right the macro and micronutrients are the same although they look different you know on the plate they might taste different because of how they've been combined but distilled down it's still the same five ingredients. And the same with ideas that are based out of the knowledge that we already have, based on the experiences we've already had. And I'm wondering that this is a limiter. And when we're being challenged with a world 
we never expected. So six months ago, one year ago, 10 years ago, would any of us have imagined this is where we would be? And maybe, you know, maybe some scientists very keenly aware of patterns and trajectories could predict the future based on the past knowing. But for the majority of us, we never imagined we would spend the summer of 2020 in physical distancing protocols, with closures of schools and aspects of hospital systems and businesses, that video communication would be our primary medium. You know, we probably didn't expect that because it hadn't happened before. And so it wasn't in our realm of knowing. We might have had dreams of the future, but if you think of your 10 years ago self and the dreams you can think of having then, they were likely based on either your own past experience or looking at past experiences in the world, right? Certain careers that were available, certain schooling, certain trips and travel and destinations and you know, certain goals like writing a book or having children. Like these are all constructs that had happened before. And you imagine them for yourself in a new way and that hadn't happened, right? So that was kind of a future imagining that you were able to grow into. But what if we began to imagine outside of what we know has already happened? And there can be the question, well, how can you imagine anything if it's never happened because you don't even know to imagine it? And sure, yes. But just like beyond our wildest dreams, just like think of the craziest movie you ever saw, like someone is coming up with ideas that haven't happened, you know, to our knowledge on this planet ever, right? We see movies with all kinds of crazy constructs. So there's some imagination at play there. Again, based in some past experience, yes, there's always going to be that framework as a launch pad, but then expanded beyond. So starting there, right? Seeing this construct of the knowledge you have based on the experiences, the facts, the studies, the witnessing, the reflecting that you have, but then reflecting it forward, Right, so reflecting in mirrors, we can look back at ourselves and we can look forward to ourselves in that mirror. And the mirror can also reflect other things, right? It can reflect the light around us. We can turn the mirror toward the sun and the sun can reflect its beams forward, you know, beyond where it is currently. So using kind of the training wheels or the outline, that structure, that framework a past experience, but then beginning to paint a picture of what has not yet happened. And you can use that practice experience of those 10 years ago self and the dreams you've had that you have seen come to fruition. That might be a job or a particular house or again, your family or simply an experience of a feeling, you know, that you're more effective at feeling now 10 years later than you were a decade ago. But I'm going to challenge myself and you to take that a step further. And some of this is imagining your ideal. And so for me, as a physician, as a healthcare professional, 
has worked in various systems. The imagining I'm spending time with is if I could paint the picture of the perfect healthcare system, what might it look like? And I want most of the responses to be, but that's never happened before. So how do you know it will work? That's where I want to go because I know there are systems and we know that some of them work in some situations, some better than others. We know some are not working effectively in many ways. And so rather than reconstruct an already existing health system and try to put it in a place where it may or may not fit, right, where the tailoring may or may not be possible, what I'm going to do is imagine the most perfect health system I can. Think of all the things I've wanted for myself and my family, you know, when I'm engaged personally with the healthcare system, what I want for my patients from the feedback I've received over the years, what I want for my colleagues who I see so frustrated by what is happening right now and how it has evolved the practice of medicine, what I want for the staff who are dedicating their lives, what I want for the future healers to experience. And yes, that's all past data, right? Those are the things fueling it, but those aren't going to be the specific criteria in what I am imagining. And will some of them come forward? Maybe, but many of them might not because they are in that former construct of what is not working. You know, and if I'm going to paint the ideal system, I want it to be fresh. I don't want paint filled with dust and dirt and sand. I want it to be smooth and pure and glistening and gleaming and glossy when it is on the wall. And so I'm going to paint that picture of ridiculous things, right? Outlandish things, outrageous ideas that would seem totally impossible. And then begin to answer that question of, well, you don't know this will work with yes. And isn't that amazing? Because if I knew I would only ever get as far as we've ever gotten. But if I don't know, you know, that place that's often so scary and especially in medicine, right? Because we are charged with knowing patients are seeking answers and specifics and solutions and treatments. And that happens. And that can be great. That is great so many times. But it's also okay to not know because when we don't know, that's where innovation happens. We don't know what this disease is. We research and we find out more about it. We don't know how to treat this disease. We attempt and trial and error and trial and error and trial and error and make progress over time or find out we have a limitation and learn simply that this is, right? This is the construct with which we are faced at this time and the solution remains to be seen. And we are in a place of not knowing what that could be. And that may lead us forward or it may leave us to gain some acceptance of where we are. And so this thought, I don't know, I'm gonna be very honest with you. I have loved and spent a lot of time and I don't know in a little bit of a shameful way as a physician. Patients will come to me, what should I do? I don't know. But I think you can know. 
And I think we can discover together. Oftentimes in medicine, it's encouraged to say when you don't know, right? Not pretend that you do if in fact you don't. But the immediate follow-up to I don't know is often, but I'll find out or I'll look it up when we're thinking about medical training. But even with patients, we can often say, you know, I don't know, but I'll find out. And that might mean researching it, calling a colleague, investigating studies, looking at the latest recommendations. But again, those come through past knowledge and they have merit. Certainly not saying that they don't. But how might it feel to say, I don't know, and I'm willing to keep asking. I don't know, but I'm so curious to find out what's possible. I don't know, but I'm fascinated and I'm here with you on this journey to uncover what it is that you need. I don't know, and maybe it hasn't been discovered yet, but we have the chance to take steps in that direction. And the greatest gift of this pause for me has been to sit with knowing, with not knowing, to acknowledge the discomfort when really we want to have an answer for someone, to listen for why it's always actually been sort of a place of comfort because it brings fascination. It brings possibility. It allows for expansion rather than being housed in these fixed constructs of what has gone before. And so while absolutely yes, can evidence-based medicine be a tremendous resource and approach to the practice of medicine to have these proven ways from which to create a foundation of decision-making? You know, that is a safe space and a predictable space and a reliable space. But we can all know that it's not 100%, right? That's called best practice, not perfect practice. Best practice with what we know right now. And we also know that it doesn't always apply. There are outliers and what the coronavirus and the manifestations of COVID-19 has shown us that there can be more outliers than midliners, right? There are probably more on the ends of the bell curve than in the center right now. We're reframing everything. And it can be really unsettling to administer care in the midst of something about which we know so little, Right? And that it's constantly evolving. And it creates this discord and disconnect and this strife. Because physicians who are tasked with having the answers can't have them in the way that we've had them before. Because there isn't past evidence. Only now we're beginning to see trends because it's been long enough to get just a glimpse, you know, a snapshot of some data to be supportive. And so what if instead of struggling to know that which we can't, we begin to allow ourselves to know forward, to know simply what it is we are willing and able to provide for patients. 
not necessarily in the specificity of a procedure or a medication or a protocol, but that we are showing up to provide care. We are willing to be there. We are willing to hear the stories and accept that it might present it differently than we might expect it. That we honor the challenge of the situation for ourselves and for patients. And that we are doing the best that we can from what we know. And we are willing to continue to know with our future self, to look forward and see where this could possibly unfold as a learning potential and accepting we might not get the information that we want. There's this deep desire for there to be a cure, a vaccine, a treatment. And what if there's not? And what if we won't know for a long time, forever? Do we just give up because it doesn't fit these past paradigms of having a straightforward solution, a protocol we can follow? Or do we keep showing up, but showing up differently, giving ourselves and our patients grace, honoring that we have innovated before and we will continue to do so. And we're seeing that, right? You know, there was this push for ventilators and then we said, wait, hang on, this isn't the same as those other hypoxic states and we need to make a shift in how we're applying treatment in many of the cases. And now it looks like this, you know, putting it through other frames of reference. But what can it look like to keep knowing forward and allow our future selves to call to us? So just as you think about that 10 years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, you and where you are now, and what pieces you have realized, what would that 10 years from now self need to know? What would you want to tell him or her? Knowing what you do now knowing with your future self. And if you can imagine that, thinking about what your 10 years from now self might have to offer you. And this doesn't have to be specifics, right? You don't have to have all the data because that's, again, based on a past construct. But what might your 10 years from now self tell you if you are painting a picture of the world you would want? free of COVID-19, you know, full of promise. Would it be back to how things were? Or would you paint the picture with all the changes and all the systems about which we find ourselves complaining and commiserating? Before 2020, we were not, as a collective, fully satisfied with our healthcare systems. We were not fully satisfied with our education systems. We were not fully satisfied with the experience of equity in this country. We were not fully satisfied with our relationships and the rat race as we knew it. So would your 10 years from now self tell you, don't worry, it'll all get back to how it was. Does that feel good? Is that the picture you want to paint to pull you forward? Or would your 10 years from now self say, don't worry, it is going to be so much better than you can even imagine right now. Everything has changed and that's beautiful. 
and you get to decide how. This is your 10 years from now self telling you, you are part of that shift, of that changing, of that unfolding. Simply by being you and looking toward this you 10 years from now. And the path isn't paved, and that is the best news ever because those paved paths we've had have led us to disengagement and continuation of racist policies and actions and growing degrees of sickness in the country and increased rates of burnout across all professions and disconnect in the family units and poisoning of our air and soil and water. So yes, to those paved paths not being there because we don't want to go to those destinations anymore. And you get to come here into this new space and place and you get to create it. And so begin by knowing into your future self. And that could be one minute from now, knowing. It's always helpful to begin with baby steps rather than leaps. But leaps are available to you as well. If you're ready, if you have this grand vision, why would you paint anything less? Why would you settle for a pencil outline based on what's already happened and hope you can kind of get back to that when you could use every color and every medium and craft the most beautiful piece of art of your future and continue to see it and continue to envision it and continue to move toward it. And then know that if that is the result you're creating, you simply need to track back and say, okay, what action steps do I need to take to get there? And you might not know them all right now, but you can know the first one. You can know that the first one is off of that path where we've been and take that first step and then listen for feedback, for that call. Remember those brilliant colors in that picture forward. And then you say, what feeling do I need to have to keep taking these next steps? And really listen carefully because it might be a feeling you think you should have based on past feelings you've had to make you productive. But remember, we're not trying to be productive in the way we were before because that got us to the results that have already happened. So really think about, is it focus and direction and confidence? Or is it inspiration and excitement and enthusiasm and curiosity and wonder? Stop for a minute, feel those feelings and see truly what action you would take from them. And none are bad. All are acceptable, all are available. But what comes from focus? And what comes from enthusiasm and curiosity and wonder? And you might need different ones at different times. You will, right? Because some tasks do need focus-driven mindset. But right now, I'd question if we can begin to feel more in curiosity, wonder, love, equity, how that might show up a bit differently in our actions. And then remember that your thought becomes your result. And that can be as specific or as broad as it needs to be, as it works for you, as it is believable. 
So you could have the thought, I see where we could go. I believe these grandest dreams are possible. I'm willing to not know and realize that that's a great opportunity and not a failure and not a limitation. Your thought could be not knowing is going to lead me beyond my wildest dreams. And think about the results you want to create and how you can tie that thought into it because your thought will become your results. Your thought evolves into your feeling, becomes your actions, your actions deliver the result. So I'm going to say choosing carefully because I don't want it to be a nervous choice. But choosing intentionally and listening with curiosity to the feedback of what is happening. And if you're not moving closer to that result, thinking about why and how you might align more clearly. What comes up for me today as I learned about passing of John Lewis, lifelong civil rights activist, public servant, encourager of all to keep moving forward into that not knowing, but into believing what could be true. The future he imagined beyond anything that had already existed and his willingness to keep showing up and working for it and seeing changes, but also acknowledging that as our thoughts become our results, it's going to take the collective to hold that hope, that possibility, that space for not knowing to lead us forward. So I challenge you today to consider honoring those such as John Lewis, who spent their whole lives imagining that future and present in the now working for it. So we can trust ourselves in the moment. We can utilize that information from the past, but until we pair it with that possibility of the future, we will stay where we are. And so let's honor those who have practiced this their whole lives, given their whole lives to this and see what it can mean if as a collective, we together begin to shift to be able to hold space for all of those the past experience, the present now and being and doing, and the future possibility rooted in not knowing in the best possible way of wonder, curiosity, and possibility that can come from that space. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for your time and the opportunity with this podcast, which continues to evolve beyond anything I might have imagined it to be, for the opportunity to expand the osteopathic concept. And I encourage you to visit the website to sign up for the newsletter, which will become a regular weekly occurrence beginning in August with opportunities to participate, continued expansion of these concepts, encouragement and reminding of our possibility of that future knowing through the now of not knowing. This is Dr. Millie Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.